The Stage Door Show. Celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. Hi everybody, welcome to The Stage Door Show. Tonight this is Dave Hondell. Uh, tonight I have a great guest, uh, Nicole Peplinski. Uh, Nicole uh, has had a great and uh, interesting career, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, just just fascinating uh, how she got into entertainment. Uh, but you know, you've seen her on General Hospital in a recurring role on ABC. Uh, she's been in the movie Scrap, The Downside of Bliss, uh, working on several other projects right now. So please welcome to the show, Miss Nicole Pablinski. How you doing, Nicole? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on our show. It's a real honor for us to have you on. Um, I wanted to start out because, you know, looking at your past, um, I know uh, you had the ability to to get into the finance world uh, many, many times and, and you had some very lucrative offers, but you decided to to go with your passion and, uh, and move out to LA and get into acting. So uh, talk about that because I know you were approached by several different people that are high profile that said, hey, you know, I think you can make it in this industry. So, I mean, how many people get that opportunity? So talk about that a little bit and your start in this uh, business. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was so crazy. So I was going to school at American University in Washington, D.C., and I, I'm like super driven and hardworking. And I was putting myself through college. So I was also a living nanny to pay for room and board. And then I, I very much, even as a teenager, I believed in work. Like I, I have a robust work ethic and I think a work ethic really takes you places. And so in college, I went to school full time, was putting myself through college, was a living nanny to pay for room and board. And I did two internships a semester at brokerage firms. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I was at one, Tuesday, Thursday, at the other one. Um, and yeah, it, it was wild. I I just thought, you know, it will really give me a chance if I have this kind of resume. And so it's, I mean, you know, stockbrokers, it was, especially back then, in, right, right. In, it was in Georgetown. So it was all males, these super driven, aggressive males. And I just, I got stopped at career career day. I went to career day and I was like going by different booths and this guy's like, you you should come in. You would love this. And he was just talking to me about the, the job and I thought it sounded interesting. I went in for one interview, started with them. And then the next semester was doing two a semester at different brokerage firms all over DC. Um, it was so much fun. I was into it. I, I loved the pace. I loved the drive. And it was funny because I was literally one of the only or few girls in any brokerage firm. Um, I just stayed really focused and worked really, really hard. And I was actually treated very, very well. I was really thankful. Um, it was a lot of fun. And one day I was walking home from the school gym and this guy was waving me down while he was driving and it's DC. So I'm like, oh, he's probably lost. So (laughs) I kind of like, you know, I came over and I leaned in and he's, he's talking to me and I'm waiting for him to ask me directions or something. And he's just kind of looking at me. He's like, you, you, what was your name? I'm like Nicole. He's like Nicole. You know who I am? And I'm like, um. He's like Nicole. I'm BB King. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, yeah, you are. Like it just like it just wasn't registering. So you know, I'm yeah. walking over to the school gym, and I just didn't. I just didn't. You know, it completely <laughs> floored me. And it's DC. You know, it's not like it was LA or something like that. I, I came yeah. from upstate New York, so I wasn't exposed to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he just started talking to me. It was like a crew of people in the car, and they're like, "Come with us to the Cheesecake Factory." And I'm like. Okay, I have to go home and change. I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> I just worked out at the gym. So I like changed really quick and met them at the Cheesecake Factory. And we were just talking and it was 
very surreal. Yeah. And then he was just like, so you're becoming a stockbroker. I'm like, I am. I'm becoming a broker. He's like, I don't see it. You're not. I'm like, no, really. I am, you know, and I'm thinking he meant because I was a woman and I was young. And he's like, no, really, you should, you should move to LA. Have you considered acting? I think, and I'm like, I, you know, it was just so left field. Wow. Left field that I just like was dream. like, yeah. it was just so surreal. And I'm like trying to digest the entire experience. And it, you know, I'm like 20 years old trying to think about all this stuff. And um, yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was wild. And he's like, you should move to LA. You got to do it. And they're all kind of I'm thinking, I can't do this. This is nuts. <laughs> and I invested so much in college. It's like, there was no, you know what I mean? Like I really put myself through it. So um, I was trying to digest all that and I was letting it marinate. And two weeks later, so Georgetown doesn't really have any buses. So you have to walk way up to where the, you know, the buses are to grab a bus yeah. or train or whatever, or train or, you know, so I was walking and I happened to notice the pizza. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, I was like, maybe I'll grab a quick slice before I get home and start manning um, and cooking and cleaning for a family of five. And so I looked, I'm like, oh, there was such a line. I'm like, do I have enough time to grab a slice of pizza and go? And all of a sudden this big arm reaches through a crowd and he's like, hey, he's like, you're with Will Smith, right? And I'm like, no. And another guy comes over. He's like, no, but you should be. It was one of his bodyguards. Wow. So his crew was there. And uh, they just same type of bizarre thing. This is like two weeks later. And they're like, come hang with us. I'm like, well, I'm babysitting. Can you, you know, we'll talk later. So I stayed in touch with them. Like, you should move to LA. You should try acting. Wow. You can reach out to us. I'm thinking, you know, and I'm very much a woman of faith. Like I pray a lot. I'm thinking yeah. this, no, this is like crazy. And a few weeks later, like it was just boom, 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 boom. Um, I was at a brokerage firm that I was interning at and one of the presidents kind of, I think he was actually one of the owners as well, just kind of pulled me over. He's like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I grabbed my notepad and paper and I go into his office, sit down and he's like, so how are you doing? I'm like, good. Everything's good. He's like, you know, I know this sounds really weird, but have you ever thought about being an actress? And this is like the owner of a brokerage firm in Georgetown. And I'm like, uh, God, Greg, I still remember this conversation. Like it was yesterday. I'm like, God, Greg, I, Thought you were going to make me a job offer. He's like, Nicole, if you want the job, you can have it. But I don't know. It's really weird. I've just been really thinking about that for you lately. Isn't that odd? I'm like, more than you would know. And I told him what was going on. He's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. And I, you know, it's just one of those things where you're just thinking, is is life talking to me? Is God talking to me? Well, is all it these like signs that are that are pointing, yeah, a certain direction. I guess uh, one question is: Did you did you ever have any ambitions to be an actress when you were younger, or is this so, all just kind of just started then? <laughs> no. So what's funny is, you know, I was raised like old school immigrant Italian, and the plan for my life from when I was little is: you're going to get married, make good sauce, and beautiful babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? there was no like me going away to college. I had to put myself through college. Like right. it was big debate because I moved from upstate New York to go to school in DC. And, sure. you know, so, so when I was a little girl, I used to put on shows all the time. And my grandmother, anyone, my grandmother was a saint. She would sit and watch them forever, but I would put together these big productions. I put my siblings, my cousins, anyone like in them and like do these big productions, but it never dawned on me. It was something I could do because what I was going to do is make sauce and babies. Right. <laughs> so I just never, I never was exposed to that. And in high school, um, I wanted to be in the dance team. And uh, my mom said, no, they're too sexy. You can't do that kind of stuff. And like anytime I even looked at that, um, yeah. it was kind of shifted me in a different direction. Very, very traditional upbringing. Huh? Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. so it just wasn't even 
part of the, like the, an option, you know what I mean? So it just, I love that stuff. I used to, I mean, I, not every little girl puts on big shows and puts all their cousins and everyone in it. And I, I watched the Fablemans and just thought, oh yeah, you know, it's just, <laughs> I was raised you're going to be a, a babe, you know, a, a mother, not, you know, have a career or anything like that. So yeah. no, but I used to, yes, put on plays and write them and cast everyone in all the little ones, like all my siblings, my cousins, anyone in them. But I never, it never dawned on me till then. Well, I mean, you know, fast forward, then you go on vacation to LA and uh, what happened in that vacation that made you stay there? Yeah. So I just felt guilty about the thought of leaving my family to move 3000 miles away. And if that guilt wasn't there, they were enforcing it hard. Like this was, you know, (laughs) this is not an option. And so I just kept, I had, six job offers in DC from brokerage firms that I had interned at. And I didn't take any of them. I just felt like I didn't feel it in my gut to do it. And I, I loved DC. I loved interning. Then I started interviewing in New York city. I even interviewed with Revlon and I got a second, like a callback an interview, a second interview. And I didn't take it. Like nothing was sticking and I was really stressing out. And my sister, this was, you know, it was months after I graduated and I was still, you know, that's not me to be kind of fumbling like that. I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't really make sense of anything. I didn't, nothing seemed to click and make, seem yeah. right. And my sister said, listen, I'm going to go to LA on vacation to see one of my college friends that just moved out there. And I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, Nicole, come take a break from all of it. If you step away from interviewing, maybe it'll give you some clarity. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Maybe it's just good to take a break. So, so that's kind of what I did. I was like, initially said, yeah, I'm going to go with you on vacation. And eventually it just kind of just started coming to me and I'm like, maybe I'm not going just on vacation. And I, you know, I always, it's interesting, but even when I was a little girl, I just always kind of prayed a lot. And so I just kept thinking, could this be? And so I pulled my sister aside. I'm like, Celeste, I don't know. I think I'm maybe supposed to stay in LA. And she's like, Oh, don't tell mom and dad. (laughs) Don't do it. So I'm like, what am I going to do? She's like, listen, don't say a word and just pack a lot in your suitcase and we'll stuff as much as we can in mine just in case. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the plan. So like, I, I kind of anticipated coming out here and be like, it's a great vacation. I'm good. Yeah. And, um, We packed very heavily and I, yeah, I, I just, my sister's like, Nicole, you want this? Like, you know, it was like a week's time and I, I I was really struggling with it. And my sister actually helped me stay, which was crazy. And right before we left, we were eating at a restaurant in Beverly Hills. And they were saying how there's like a year long wait list to become a waiter in Beverly Hills and the whole thing. And I'm like, wow, I can't like, here it is. Like, you know, you're going for like a job interview as a broker and they'll take you and you start training. But to be a waiter in Beverly Hills, you've got a year long wait list, you know, it's yeah, just wild. Sure. And the waiter. There, yeah. 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 And it was just crazy. And so the waiter found out that I was thinking about staying. My sister told him. And so he grabbed the manager and said, this woman right here is thinking about moving to LA to be an actress. And they decided if I'd stay, they would give me a job on the spot that I could start like a week. And so I was like, oh my God, no, no, you know, no big thing like pressure or anything. So it was totally stressing. And I will attribute my sister just as like, Nicole, this is what you want. You're so excited. You have to do this. And I I was crying. I was stressed. I'm like, I feel like I'm a bad daughter. And I was, I was really having a hard time with it. And she's like, (laughs) you have to do it. So I get up the, my sister left and I stayed. And my sister got off the plane and my parents, she's like, in a way it was really heartbreaking because they didn't believe her. They just kept thinking, where is she? She's hiding. She's like, no, really, she didn't get on the plane. Yeah. And so they stuck around waiting to see if I was hiding. And it, 
My sister said it was very heartbreaking because they just mm-hmm. didn't believe it. But two months later, I think it was two months, um, it was very shortly after, someone was coming in town that knew my sister that I had met before. And they said, why don't we all go out for sushi? And I'm like, okay, sure. So we go on Sunset Boulevard to this restaurant that I don't think is open anymore called Miyagi's. It used to be open on Sunset. And it's three stories. It was massive. And on the third floor, they have these beautiful windows and you can see out all the city and it's so pretty. And they have karaoke. And so we sat down and we ordered sushi. And then the server was like, so you guys can stay for karaoke? I'm like, okay. You know, not knowing because all of us were new to the area. Yeah. So we're standing there and kind of watching people and one person after another is kind of getting up and there's growing more and more people coming in. Right. And all of a sudden someone taps on my shoulder and I turned around and it's this guy and he's like, so you can get up and sing? I'm like, no, you know, I don't sing. <laughs> and so I just turned back around and all of a sudden a group of people come running up and like, Nicole, do you know who that was? I'm like, no, I'm like Nicole, that's Jamie Foxx. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. And so I didn't register, you know, and so all of a sudden he gets up on the stage. He's like, I'm Jamie Foxx. And this is Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown. And I'm like, Oh my God. And they got up and were on the side, Bobby and Jamie were singing. Like it was like a concert. So there's like a few thousand people there. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. It was, it was very surreal. Like one of those moments where you're like, wow, you're telling like this crazy stuff happens. And I was on the third floor. I didn't know there was a bathroom on the third floor. So I went down to the second floor and he jumped into the crowd, chased me down the stairs. Is like, so are you leaving? I'm like, no, I just have to use the bathroom. He's like, come back to our house for a party after there's a whole bunch of people coming. I'm like, well, I'm with a bunch of friends. And he's like, no, bring them. It's a huge party. So I did. So we all went back to his house and it was like very surreal because we had to wait for them to clear the house. And then Valley pulled the cars up and my friend's driving, I'm sitting in the passenger seat. And all of a sudden he taps on our window. He's like, okay, I'm in the first car. Then there's Whitney and Bobby. You guys follow Whitney and Bobby up to my house. And she's like, uh-huh. And she just turns over. She's like, Nicole, only you. This is like insane. <laughs> it's <laughs> like a movie in itself. <laughs> no, totally. It was so crazy. So I still remember because it was like, it was a big moment for me. And so we followed him up to their house and there was everybody was there these athletes were there it was like he is notorious for his parties and i get why like everybody was there it was a ton of fun and someone approached me from procter and gamble and was kind of like look i saw what happened and if you can get his attention you can get teens attention and at the time i was in particularly good shape and she's like we need someone as a spokesperson for southern california teen health and next thing i knew i had a job interview and i started like a month later as a spokesperson for teen health so i would do that during the day and yeah, it was. It, that's kind of how that all started. That's that's insane. It sounds like a, like an actual movie. I mean, th- just think about that down the road because that's a that's a movie in itself, you know. And and then not only that, but you know, I think this these are all signs, obviously, to to do what you're you know continuing to do. Uh, but you know, General Hospital, you know, like soap opera, one of the most you know notorious, you know, just unbelievable you know soap operas in the history of tv you know you have a recurring role on that on abc and you know just you know the movie that you know scrap and the downside of bliss and some of these other great movies that you've been in you've trained with some of the greatest trainers uh acting coaches out there and you also have you know improv and that type of thing so talk about your training because you know we have listeners that that you know we we make a big deal about training on the show because I think it's one of the most important things. And some of the actresses and actors like yourself um, that have been doing this for a long time, 
you know, they still continue to to go to acting class and they continue to uh, oh, yeah. acting coaches because it's it's one of the most important things you can do is to maintain, uh, you know, your craft. And and there's there's so many different methods. And, you know, so talk about the importance of all the training that you've had and and for our listeners, the importance of continuing that training. Yeah, because you actually have a lot of like indie actors and people coming up yeah. and it's like, you know, the truth of the matter is even if you have some kind of marketability where you're getting plucked up, if you show up and you can't do the work, you're, you're, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to, you know what I mean? And you, you really, if you're going to do it, do it well. And I'm a big believer in training. So I take every Sunday night, I have a Sunday night class that I take at Stan Kerr Studios and have a scene partner that I work with five nights a week. So we're oh, six wow. nights a week right there. And then I take with Larry Moss. He actually, you probably know who he is. He's yeah. like one of the renowned teachers. He used to teach at Juilliard. He was one yeah. of their huge renowned professors. And then he ended up moving to Los Angeles and just really focusing on this. And I mean, he, he trains from Helen Hunt to Leonardo DiCaprio and he offers for people like me that have a couple bookings here and there. If you get accepted in, you can take his intensive. And I took his intensive and he happened to ask me a few questions after he did my scene. And at the end of the week, um, I asked him, I said, do you take other people on? Would you ever take someone that's not like Leonardo, like some huge name? And he said, yeah. I said, like, like me. And he said, yeah. And everybody's jaw kind of dropped. You're like, it just goes to show sometimes you have to put yourself out there. Right, right. Um, and, and literally he sends me like four plays a month. He says, choose one, read them all. And then we work together on plays just because it's, wow. it's a very different craft than what I do at Stan Kirsch, which is more like an intense scene study. He kind of actually really works on breaking it down. Um, and I, it, it's, it's, he's gifted like what mm -hmm. he does is unbelievable and i'm also i am in ucb i i'm almost done graduated but i took 101 201 i'm at 301 now and i think improv adds so much whether you're doing drama or comedy so mm -hmm. i really feel like it's important to kind of touch all of it like i know that some people kind of lean into specifics but for me i think that there's scene study and then there's just really script analysis right so mm -hmm. scene study i do with stan Kerr studios um script analysis is larry moss for sure i feel like he is literally renowned for being one of the best for it and then when it comes to improv i mean i think ucb is kind of holds its own we have a lot of hitters that come out of ucb yeah. Well, for anybody that, that doesn't know, UCB is Upright Citizens Brigade, and there's also, I know out in LA, you have Groundlings out there in Second City in Chicago, and some some really renowned, uh, you know, improv. And I'm a huge improv guy. You know, I, I've always I've always believed in improv, and I think improv every every actor should take improv because I think it helps you think on your feet, and and it helps you, especially on the stage, if you're going to be in front of two thousand people at, on Broadway and a scene goes sideways yeah. it's right. a great training for you to kind of pick things back up again and not even think twice about it so you know talk about the importance of of imp improv and in, in your career yeah no i feel like there's so much to be said for it even if someone kind of flubs the line when you're doing something you if you can because you can't as much as you need to be married to copy and i i love writers and i think that <laughs> yeah. you be married to copy and really get it if someone's not and someone fudges a line or skips your line and go if you don't have the the adaptability to just hop and keep going if the camera's still rolling 
it, it it really holds up the whole set. It does. I mean, yeah. it, it's kind of the difference between a trained professional and one that isn't. Like, I, I right. think that it just aids you as an actor in those ways, right. um, and it gives you so many different perspectives to look at the work. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and talk about the different mediums. I you don't you've done several. You've done TV and, and film, and you know, and and you know anything on stage, like it was said with improv. I mean, what's your favorite uh, medium? Do you have one, or do you tend to kind of gravitate towards one over the other? Um. Well, I don't know that I have one as much as I seem to be booking more feature and I don't know what that is or why yeah. I'm kind of really thankful for the work and I'm excited about any of it. Um, but I seem to be booking more feature right now, but I mean, I think, you know, you just have very different relationships with your character that you're playing and you have really different relationships with the audience. You know, I mean, there's something kind of special with like certain TV shows that really get some traction and, and you can really look forward to every week watching that show and you the audience really kind of gets captivated by who your character is you know what i mean and so it's it's very different when you have a relationship with someone for television than the relationship that you have with your audience and your character for film right yeah for sure you know and talk about that film you know like you know doing feature films because i know a lot of times you're you know, with TV, it's a little more immediate, you know, it's, it's not so long after you do the work that you see it on TV or on streaming platforms. But then when you do like a film, sometimes it's several weeks, if not several months before you actually see yourself on screen. So do you ever, uh, when you're, when you're done, when you're wrapped, you know, you go to the next project, you ever kind of just wonder like, I wonder how that's going to turn out, or I wonder how that's going to look when it's all said and done. Cause you know, you have the music to add in and all the effects and everything else. I mean, what's it like when you first sit down and watch that feature that you spent so much time on and then to actually see it on the screen, what that's gotta be a pretty cool moment. So last week was so much fun because I haven't had one in so long. And last week I had two screenings and scrap we shot a year and a half ago. And it was the first time I was casting oh, wow. screening a year and a half later and scrap actually will know in the next few weeks, they'll be releasing where you, where you can watch it. So we're really excited, but it stars Anthony Rapp, Lana Perilla and Vivian Kerr. Yeah. And my scene was um i had a big scene with anthony rapp and another one with vivian and a couple of the cast members and it's so exciting and you're so curious to see like how did it actually look and how did you know and you just have to like okay i'll wait and it was a year and a half later and it was so exciting to see it it it, i mean i'm very excited to see scrap come out for everyone else to get to see it it's very surreal to see all those moments come together with music and editing and everything and just it's on the screen it was awesome and um a few days later, I had done a short film that was, uh, it's called uh, Othaniel. So it was a remake of Othello for Shakespeare. And it was a short film and that was two and a half years old. So I didn't see it yet. So it was so exciting to see all of it. But again, you just kind of do the work and then just say, eventually you'll you'll get to see the final product. And it was, it was a very fun week. So I got to see two of them, but it it takes time. TV is a lot faster, especially soaps. Yeah, soap operas. I, I I know you're on a, a. I mean, when you're on a soap, soap like General Hospital, I mean, it's a real uh, time. I'm I'm sure you're under a lot of time restraints because they have to get it out and so forth, and storylines change and that type of thing. But uh, when you're on General Hospital, I mean, from what I understand, you don't get a lot of takes. I mean, you you got almost nail it almost on the first time, um, or in at least two times, I guess. Is that true? And and 
And so yeah. about, is, is it, is it kind of nerve wracking to, uh, to be on a soap to make sure you have to get it right almost every time? So I'll tell you, it's so impressive for like the main cast because, you know, soaps are no joke. I mean, you have, you know, at least 20 pages or more of, of that you have to have memorized and prepared. And then you just get back up the next day and do the same thing. And like the main cast is just very inspirational because they get in there and just, it's like one take two's max and they're just in and out really, really fast. And I think one of the things that they particularly do well is I remember the first time I stepped foot on General Hospital, I just remember thinking, I love this. I would love to be a part of this because it's like a family. Yeah. You know, they work very intensely. They work a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. And, and it's just, they were really smart in the way that that they structured it. So it's kind of run almost like a family unit. And it's yeah. just very warm, very smart uh, group of people. And it was, it was, it's so much fun. I, I, I stay in touch with the casting directors and always look forward to another booking with them. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the leads are super impressive because it's a lot of work and they knock it out typically in one take, rarely in two. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, what kind of advice can you give somebody, I guess, uh, in the business, you know, like I know you had, um, you had like kind of a fairy tale, <laughs> kind of a fairy tale, you know, start to your to your career, which is amazing. I did, I just it fascinates me. I, I know I read it, and just to have you tell it again was amazing. But um, what do you give? Uh, what kind of advice could you give somebody who's maybe just finishing up school, uh, or maybe like an arts high school that type of thing, and and they want to get into the industry? I mean, what's the biggest advice you can give somebody that's trying to get into this industry? Yeah, I feel like to me, training is everything because you will get opportunities. Things will eventually open up for you and you want to be prepared for them. You know, so I, I feel like there's a lot of, there are several heavy hitter schools in Los Angeles. And I think that you should audit. Like that's, that's kind of what I did. I audited 12 and I chose, you know, a few of them and I trained, I've been training forever, you know? And so I would just keep, and eventually I found one that just felt like this is home. And eventually I got to a space where I'm like, okay, this is so good. I also want to add this in and I want to, and I think that everyone learns differently. I think your trajectory is differently and, and it's really important to audit, audit a whole bunch of them and then figure out what really resonates for you and, and take with a few of them. You know, like you're, you're going to be doing this for, if you want to do this as a career, you're going to be doing it for years years of training, years of work. Um, we we have at Stanker Studios, it's kind of notorious for where the working actor works. Like it's wild that some of the people, in fact, literally I from, I just wrapped at five o'clock and hopped on this with you at six and Brock Ciarelli, he was in the middle. He's been on everything. He was there coaching me. I had three auditions and self tapes that I had to bump out and he was the one doing it. Wow. So it's the people that you're seeing on TV shows and in movies, everything are the people that are coaching you and taping you that that you're working with. And so when you find um when you find the school that you really like, you'll find scene partners and you just dig into it. And they actually kind of help you with the networking and all of that as well. But again, if those doors open and you're not prepared, it could be years till the next opportunity comes along. Yeah. So I, I would say the biggest thing is just really audit a bunch of schools. Um, right now, a lot of them still have online schools, which is super helpful for wherever you're at. And um, the auditing is it makes it very easy if it's on a Zoom. Um, and then just really, really find the place that resonates for you, where you connect. You know, and I know you have a, a finance background, uh, but, you know, for somebody who doesn't and, you know, moving out to L.A., it's not the cheapest place to live. So talk about the importance of 
managing your money while trying to get into the industry as well. Cause I think a lot of people uh, don't think about that when they move out to LA and sometimes it's hard to even live. Oh yeah, for sure. And and even if you're one of the people that kind of gets stopped a few times and has that fairy tale start, you know, life happens. I had major health problems. I had like all these other things happen that kind of delayed a lot of things for me. And I think that, you know, everybody loves the fairy tale story, but even if you're like me and you had one of those starts, other things happen. Life happens or you're sick or things like that. It's very rare where you get stopped and then all of a sudden you're making millions a year. You know what I mean? Because right. even people that get stopped a lot, it's like, okay, so you have a booking here, a booking there. You literally at the end of a year, if you have a couple bookings, which is huge, you might still be like literally not making enough to pay all your bills. So I, I tell people like, you've got to just get, this is a long-term commitment. And so find a job that has a little bit of flexibility that you would be happy in for years because you will be, you know? Right. So I, I would say really to look for jobs that has some, I mean, LA is different. It's, it's a different market because people get, when I was in DC, everything was politics, right? Yeah, right? In LA, the industry is everywhere. That that's that's kind of what rules most of the city. And so people get that you might be a singer or an actor or a dancer, and they they get that. That doesn't mean that you can't get jobs where you could have an apartment, pay your bills, have your car, have your savings, budget like crazy. Yeah. Um, you want to put your money where you want your money to go. And it might be really fun to do this, this, and this. But then when that major audition comes up and maybe maybe you want to invest in coaching with somebody really big or something like that, you'll be happier putting it there right. than going out for drinks or doing, you know what I mean? So you have to kind of be really disciplined and dedicated, but you're making choices that are really building the life that you actually want. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. That's well said. Uh, you know, uh, where can people find you, Nicole? I mean, where, uh, talk about your social media and, and your handles and people where they can, can uh, locate you. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> I'm on all of it. So you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, it's actually Nicole Pep zero five zero three. My birthday is May third, so that's uh, my Instagram is Nicole Pep zero five zero three. For Twitter, you literally it's just at Nicole Peplinski, and the same thing for Facebook. And I have a private account, and then I have like a public account on Facebook. So everybody check check out Nicole, uh, just an amazing talent. And, you know, Nicole, before we go, uh, what do you want your legacy to be down the road when, when it's all said and done? What do you want people to think of when they think of your name? Wow, that's such a good question. Um, I would want them to think that they should feel inspired to really embrace the abundant life available for them too. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and that's that's uh, you know that's one of the reasons we do this show because it's uh, you know legacy or not. I mean this this is something that uh, you know if you stay with it long enough, um, you know, and, and you work put in the work, eventually you know it could take years, it could take months, it could take weeks, but regardless, it's going to happen if you stay with it. That's what I believe, yeah. and, and a lot of I think you know you're a testament to that, and and everybody else that we have in the show that. If you stick with it long enough and you don't give up, it will happen eventually. And just watching the Oscars, you know, <laughs> last <laughs> night, I mean, it, it's it's a perfect example of, you know, your dreams can come true if you stay with it. Absolutely. Yeah, completely. So, um, but, you know, thank you so much, Nicole, for being with us. It's been a real pleasure and an honor to have you on our show. And, uh, you know, best of luck to you on your projects coming up. And uh, you're always welcome back on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.